You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! Hey, welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. And we's back with another episode, another cigar, another topic, and another remake that might actually not suck. <laughs> I kind of, I, I don't know, you know, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, the new Mortal Kombat, and I, I mean, despite the mixed reviews, I mean... For me, as long as I didn't try to compare it to video game lore, it wasn't a bad film. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely from if the internet can be believed a, a love or hate. I haven't seen any like meh. Everyone's either like this is awesome or this sucks, and we'll give you our opinion here in a minute. But first, it's time for another cigar. What we be smoking, Brad? Ah, uh, this week we're gonna gaslight it. So we've got the Diesel Crucible. Uh, this is a box press, premium handmade. Limited edition by Diesel. With the help of famous A.J. Fernandez. <laughs> yes, this one has a Ecuadorian Medio Tiempo wrapper, along with Honduran La Estrada Copen binder and filler composed of Nicaraguan leaf from A.J.'s farms and some from Candega and a further undisclosed leaf that is described as neither Nicaraguan nor Honduran, we don't know where the fuck it came from. But it's not green, so it's not <laughs> marijuana. And... I haven't Ooh. got a buzz yet. <laughs> or do we? And this, uh, you know, supposedly has, you know, casts of chocolate and espresso smoothness with a bit of spice, earth, and sweet woods. I definitely get the woodiness. A um, little bit of the spice. Uh, to me, there's a kind of a nuttiness to it. I don't know. Mm. These walnuts, no. pecan. <laughs> An undisclosed variety of nut. <laughs> uh, Buster. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would... Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm feeling like this is definitely a, uh, a full body right off the bat. Oh, yeah. And with the diesel cigars, a lot of their... I don't know, their standard diesel brand they're like original diesel cigar I, I didn't like it that much it was a little a little harsh i guess but the other ones the freaking uh whiskey row the uh the how was it the uh, the, the, the i'm blanking on the uh, delirium like a lot of their other like smaller non like you know like not their whatever lead brand of diesel but these little diesel Limited editions. Yeah, and I think kind these of... are called like are part of the Elixir series or something. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, these have always these kind of little these little combo cigars are, are always been good so far. I so said the Whiskey Row, the Cherry Cat, Cherry Cast, the Delirium. I've liked all those cigars, but yeah, the original Diesel just is not. It was all right, but I was not a not a fan of of uh, the. I don't the know flagship line. These here just, I mean, even though it's full body and everything else, I mean, it's still a dude. It, a very smooth smoke, um, but at the same time, like a very smoky bastard. <laughs> yes, 
And you don't expect that from, I mean, this is not, not a huge cigar. I mean, we've, we've had a few, uh, I mean, it's, this is probably a 50, yeah, six and a half by 52. So it's not what I'll consider a big ring gauge, but puts off a lot of smoke. <laughs> we are not going to be able to see here in the studio by the time we finish smoking this. And if you're going to have to defend Earthrealm from the warriors of, uh, Outland, you should call in the our Outworld. You should call in the Strike Force. Strikeforceenergy.com. Use your promo code Cigarners for twenty percent off your order. Comes in bottles or even we little tin pouches to help you when you're you know traveling to to Mortal Kombat. You can stick it right in your utility pouch. Hide some in Jax's arms. I'm sure he's got like a place to stash some snacks in those robot arms. I mean, I don't know. We'll get into it. We'll, we'll revisit <laughs> that. You know. Later in the topic. And with that, we'll be right on with the show. Whoa, we just got demonetized. <laughs> Wait, we were monetized? <laughs> no. Great. <laughs> hey, good thing about not making money. Nobody can not can take our money. <laughs> don't say that. It's the reason we don't play Metallica songs in this podcast, man. <laughs> yes, they've we have returned to the cinematic version of Mortal Kombat. Not since visited since what uh, late nineties, mid nineties, whenever that first movie came out. This one directed by Simon McQuaid, Quaid, Quad, Quaid, something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I didn't think I needed a reboot or remake, um, but after seeing this, like, there was enough originality and. Like I said, they they kind of did their own original story and gave us some background, and I I gotta say I didn't hate it. Yeah, I'm, I mean I have ended up watching it twice now, and it's it's good enough. Uh, I mean, there's some good, there's some bad, and there's some ugly, and we'll I mean one we'll of the get things... into all that, but uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, 1997 was the original Mortal Kombat movie, where you know. I remember a couple years ago, there was that YouTube series of Mortal Kombat where it was much darker, grittier, and actually violent. Because that 90s movie was 
There's not a whole lot of blood in it. I mean, it was pretty no, tame for, for a Mortal Kombat movie. Given, you know, how the games have always been, the film was very much toned down and toned back. Yeah, I mean, this one had a budget of $55 million. It's made $66 million so far. And it's available on HBO Max if anybody downloaded it to watch uh, uh, freaking Godzilla. Now you got another movie to watch. <laughs> I mean, I think at some point... like This I'm is the to... only reason why I actually bought... I was like, fine, I'm going to buy HBO Max so I can watch Mortal Kombat and not have to go to the theater. Mortal Kombat. Dun, 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 dun. I do like they that classic Mortal Kombat song, too. They they kind of, like, put it in the theme. They never, like, straight up played, like, the Mortal Kombat theme song, but in some of the fight sequences, you can just kind of hear that touch of the... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I mean, which has to be there. I mean, I don't uh, So iconic, so timeless. I mean, that's that's one that even, you know, today's generation so but it's like a Mortal Kombat, man. Like, yeah, that shit's been around before you were conceived. <laughs> that's how old we are. Uh, and to like, you know, I don't want to like start uh, talking about anything I consider bad right off the gate. So let me get some some improvements uh that that i think this movie did that i appreciated first of all it's bloody as shit and so and a lot of them look like recreations of the actual game fatalities yeah well and even some of the stuff that like was not fatalities but you know, there were always like those those nods to brutality or, you know, test your might. Um and like those they, were yeah, actually kept, like, feeding in little quotes in the game like it's time to test your might and <laughs> Well, I mean I Fatal Flawless Victory, man. <laughs> I, I, I dug it because even like when you see Sub Zero, like in the bottom corner, it's like, you know, um, what was it? It was down, low punch, and something else. It, it was it was the exact controls to do Sub Zero's, you know, freeze ability. <laughs> and you know, like that was just a subtle Easter egg that I'm like, ah, that's funny. <laughs> or yeah, downright low punch. Um, I mean, he even does his like uh, whatever ice clone teleport where he <laughs> left an ice version of it. And that was the other thing too. Like I said, the first. 90s Mortal Kombat movie, not a whole lot of blood. This one definitely made up for it with not only actual fatalities, but ones based on ones from the game and bloody as shit. But then also, like like you just said, feeding in a lot of those quotes and references to kind of fan service to the fans of the game. But also, that first Mortal Kombat movie, there was no powers. The only people that displayed powers were Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Everyone else kind of had you know, martial arts moves, but none of them had like their power moves from the game. And this one act- movie actually gave people the powers they have in the games. I mean, yeah, well, how they, they explained they it was kind of wonky. Yeah, but... Well, I mean, I, I kind of, you know, dug it in a way, you know, where, you know, you're not just basically born, you know, superhuman or whatever, but you had to unlock, you know, your arcana. Or, you know, an actual martial arts, I would attribute it, you know, very much to... Some you kind know, of key you, power. Well, key your, power. your chi or something of that nature where, you know, dude, there's some people out there that can, you know, 
have really harnessed something inside themselves that, you know, either stupid high pain tolerance or just, you know, their level of mastery and skill or, you know, training that almost seems superhuman, even yeah. though, you know, it's not. Yeah, and the whole introduction of the Akarna thing, kind of like uh, fucking Jedi Metachlorians, it at least gave it, you know, they didn't just people have show up like, hi, I'm Sonya Blade, I can I can th throw light rings now. They kind of say, alright, if you are either chosen as a Mortal Kombat champion, you get this cool, like, dragon tattoo marking you as one of the chosen competitors, or if somehow you kill someone who has that, that, uh, whatever, golden ticket, now you get their ticket, and you're, you're forced to replace them in Mortal Kombat, but once you're chosen you can unlock your arcana and gives you random some kind of power. So that's how Liu Kang actually shoots fireballs and, and Kano has a, has a sweet laser eye and, <laughs> and apparently like, you know, you can generate robot arms uh, or better robot arms. <laughs> well, I mean, those weren't really generated. I mean, you know, basically they brought in, you know, some folks that's like, Hey, we can help, <laughs> but you know, in helping with, you know, that there's a unlocking that, I, I, I don't know, we'll get into it. You know, that's that's basically all we can really get into without spoiling the shit out of this film. So, uh, you know, from here on out, we're going to spoil the shit out of this film. <laughs> but yeah, you know, giving them their powers, cool. That's, that's uh, you know, something that they definitely improved on in the first game. Well, I I thought it was kind of, you know, interesting cuz you know, let's let's face it, you know, most people they're one of the most iconic characters, Johnny Cage, you know, they're going to be taken back because holy shit, Johnny Cage wasn't the, Did you know, make the cut. <laughs> you know, primary, you know, focus of this film. And yeah. even Mortal Kombat itself Okay. Was not, you know... Yeah, we talked, like, the highlights. Here's a short list of what... And we'll, we'll expand on these. What was wrong? It may not be necessarily wrong, but what was weird about the movie? A, Mortal Kombat has a vast library of established characters with established storylines. And instead of making, say, someone like Liu Kang in the first movie the centerpiece, they introduced a brand new character, Cole Young who is a, an original creation for this movie and made him the star of the movie. So it's like, all right, that's weird. And two, the title of the movie is Mortal Kombat, but we never make it to Mortal Kombat. The whole premise of this movie is it's, you know, sh if you remember the game, Outworld has to win 10 tournaments to be able to take over Earthrealm. And this is the last chance and they're they've, like they've won nine they're, they're mate and there's this prophecy that the blood of uh hanzu which is scorpion will somehow cause them to lose so they come up with a plan like we're gonna cheat we're gonna go and kill all the earth realm warriors before the tournament actually begins that way earth has no one to fight in mortal combat and we just win by default <laughs> so i mean the movie keys up that uh, obviously they're going to try for a sequel and we'll probably get into actual Mortal Kombat next time around. But yeah, the movie's made Mortal Kombat and you don't put the tournament in the first movie. <laughs> but I mean, it, 
I don't know. I almost want to feel like this was a test to just see, you know. I mean, because there's enough interest in a. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is, Mortal Kombat you know, MCU. There's still a lot of, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat games are still being made. But do they have the same popularity and everything that it did back in the 90s? I mean, you know, this this game was so revolutionary, you know, when it first emerged because there there were fighting games but nothing to this scale. You know, they didn't have the level of gore and, you know, it was also kind of iconic because of the way that they did the graphics. I mean, at the time... This is the first time you saw, like... Mocap. Yeah, and you know that was the thing. <laughs> Which he even became a character in one of the later games. Uh, yeah, we had like Mocap the <laughs> as one of the warriors. You have a visitor on your laptop. Ah, uh, Ant Man has joined the podcast. Oh, there he is. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there? A, is there an ant character in Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I mean, there were definitely, you know, like, uh, I mean, you had Reptile, you had, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't recall an ant-like character. I mean, dude, it would be, it would be unstoppable. Or if somebody called themselves the Roach, you know? Some kind Um, of uh, insect-themed character? Ha, got you, motherfucker. (laughs) Fatality. (laughs) Actually, no, he's still moving, he's just running around. (laughs) He's, like, on the floor now. <laughs> it was not a flawless victory, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the you know we are introduced to Cole Young, who's kind of a washed up UFC fighter, who's uh, yeah, doing two hundred dollar fights because he's kind of lost his uh. At one point, he was I guess a famous martial artist because later on they show him like on magazine covers, like you know, this is the the guy to watch. Cause he's going to be the new champion, and now he's like you know got a wife and a kid, and he's. Just kind of taking fights to make ends meet and not, you know, not uh, doing a whole lot with his life. But apparently he has some some famous relatives. So this movie starts in ancient Japan, where Bihan, who would become Sub-Zero, a Chinese ninja, goes to wipe out a rival Japanese ninja clan and on orders from Shang Tsung, because like I said, there's this prophecy that the blood of, uh, Hanzo will eventually fuck them, uh, goes and wipes out, uh, all of Scorpion's family and, and fellow ninja Hanzo Hashishi, or at least he thinks he does. Cause they hide the, the wee baby in the floorboards. And after the fight is over, Lord Raiden shows him. Takes the kid in. What were your thoughts on Raiden for this film? I do not feel like the guy cast as Raiden had the 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 Raiden experience. Like it just at no point was I was like that looks and feels like Raiden. I'm like, I mean, he had some cool one liners and shit, but yeah, he didn't really have that gravitas of being a a god. You know, <laughs> he, you know, he's like, you know. When in the first movie, when as much as as bad as Christopher Lam Lambert is as Raiden, when he showed up, like and they told like Scorp, uh, whatever Shang Tsung, like, "Hey, keep your shit away from my fighters," you know, he looked legit threatening. <laughs> Where in this one, Scorp, uh, you know, Shang Tsung is like, "Eh, 
fuck you gods. Like, uh, I'm not scared of y'all. I'll do what, I'll do what I want. I, I, <laughs> I felt like the more suiting thing was, you know, maybe this dude's name should have been Sparky, but I didn't feel like it should have been Raiden. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't, like, really fry anybody. I mean, he set up a shield. Well, I mean, not only that, but just, I don't know, you know. Like you said, he just did not feel like, you know, Lord Raiden. It just... Hey, here's a dude that can do some lightning shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, Shang Tsung and all these people bust into his temple to try to kill the Earth Warriors, and he just, like, sets up an electric fence to keep him out. I'm like, Lord Raiden should have fried those motherfuckers for cheating. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, but then again, I guess the the rules of Mortal Kombat is, you know, the, the lords are not supposed to interfere, so, I mean, you know, I guess if he were to interfere then well well he does end up interfering but his own sly way of doing it but that uh, initial fight scene with human scorpion uh played by hiyoko sanada and joe taslim as sub-zero and dude these are legit real world martial artists yeah you look up like these guys they're like master level like high level martial artists and that first fight scene is freaking amazing and even like you know one of the benefits of watching this on hbo max is they have the option of some of the like behind the scenes shit and in some of the behind the scenes they're like yeah the guy playing sub-zero was so fast that we had to tell him to slow it down for camera because we couldn't follow the action (laughs) these guys were just just uh too much for uh for you know regular old uh (laughs) us to film these guys there was like, yeah, yo, yo, guys, just slow it down, because we're having a whole time, like, you know, following this. Um, I'm I'm going to need you guys at, like, one-eighth speed, um, you know, because even half speed's, like, on fast-forward. <laughs> yeah. That, to me, is just, like, fucking impressive in itself. Like, I could, you know... I mean, I guess at that point, you've dedicated your lifetime to, you know, whatever martial arts you've studied, because... So, yeah, our first, like, after that fight, we jump ahead to modern times. And well, let's talk about the, you know, like, because there was, there was a lot of Easter eggs. You know, one, you know, you have, uh, you know, basically the, the wife, you know, using a very inconspicuous uh, shovel, which I thought was very true, you know, when I think of, you know, like, China or Japan, somewhere that really kind of restricts, you know, weapons yeah, a lot and of like stuff. The, like you, especially like the Okinawan karate weapon. Because at the time, you know, weapons were illegal in Japan, so a lot of like the stuff you like nunchucks and size and had to be disguised all these things as are like other yeah, tools. like you know, modified uh, farming equipment, pretty much. And yeah, so. The wife's digging in the in the you know garden with this what ends up being scorpion spearhead. <laughs> so when the you know he he goes to the well to get water and comes back and finds his his entire family murdered and his wife and child frozen, and all of a sudden ninjas show up and he like ties a rope off that little that little uh, shovel head and just starts freaking get over here. <laughs> well, I love it where like you know I mean he tries to you know. Sort of show mercy, you know, that the first showdown between him and, you know, Sub-Zero, and you see him miss Sub-Zero, and Sub-Zero's like, ah, ha, ha, you missed, and he's like, ha, 
I'm not finished yet. You <laughs> yeah. know, and jerks out of the tree yeah. and slices his cheek open. Um, you know, I, I thought that was kind of cool, but he might have played his hand a little bit early because that comes to bite him later on. The next thing too is like Scorpion's Japanese, uh, Sub Zero's Chinese, and hearing both, you know. You rarely hear those two languages used together. So as a dumb American, I'm like, I, my ear can't really tell the difference until you hear them both being side to side. You're like, oh, I can, I can, well, I was there's nuances between like, the two languages. Know, if, if one of them was speaking like some, you know, version of like a Mandarin or something, you know, like, uh, but yeah, it, I don't know. I was like, and when they first meet, it's like, you know, he, he said, oh yeah, he's like, goes off on some speech about, you know, I'm, I've killed your your clan and and I'm here to destroy you for the Lingue, blah blah blah. And Scorpion is like starts speaking. He's like, I don't know what the fuck you just said, but I'm about to kill your ass. <laughs> but at that time, he's not even Scorpion though. No, you know, he's still Hanzo. <laughs> yep. And eventually, you know, does some damage, but you know, loses the fight. But before he like finishes him off, he's like, I want you to remember this face because I will see you again. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh. But I mean, those are probably your two most. Yeah, you can't have Mortal Kombat without Sub Zero and Sub Zero. You know, but I—I I mean, I liked what they did, even with you know some of the other characters, you know, which we'll get into as we progress. So continue, and I will revisit. So yeah, we jump to the future. We see uh, Cole Young, who apparently is the great 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 grandson of of Hanzo, the the last of the Scorpion bloodline. Or well. Not technically, because he has a daughter, but <laughs> the last adult of the Scorpion bloodline, uh, losing yet another UFC or you know, mixed martial arts fight, and then you get Makad Brooks playing Jax, who's showing up to like apparently him and Sonya on a mission to try to find as many of the Earth Realm warriors as they can. And I gotta say, the last time I saw Makad Brooks was on Supergirl, and he was kind of he was in shape, but he was still kind of skinny. Dude's legit huge now. I'm like, man, you've been hitting the roids since you got off of Supergirl. Like, I well, didn't recognize until he started talking. I'm like, holy shit, that's freaking Jimmy Olsen. But, He's I mean, ripped. then again, like, well, there's not been a whole lot of shit, so what am I going to do? I'm going to stay in the gym and get in shape <laughs> and, uh... I'm going to get swole. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you see the first, uh whatever, Sub-Zero in, in modern times, and now he's gone full, like, Ice Ninja and wearing some kind of metal suit for some reason. But yeah, he shows up and tries to assassinate Cole. Dude, it's Mecha Sub-Zero. <laughs> he shows up and tries to assassinate Cole at the at the Tasty Freeze while they're getting ice cream or whatever. <laughs> How convenient. Uh, Jack shows up and, and, and tries to save him and, you know, tells him, all right, I'm going to go fight Sub-Zero. You take my car and go find Sonya Blade. This is where... Get your family somewhere safe and go find Sonya. She'll tell you what's going on. And then you get our first... Or, well, our second fight scene of Jax versus Sub-Zero. And you finally get to see how Jax lost his arms. <laughs> Dude, like... And the way they did that effect, oh. like, was... I mean, you literally saw, like, the the blood vessels and stuff in the arms, you know, popping and shattering, you know... Yeah, like just bursting as his arms are like are freezing, and then he finally just snaps them off and kicks them off a a ledge. But even before that, like when he kicks out of the car and grabs that funky, I think Keltec shotgun and tries to 
And, you know, is and friggin' Sub Zero just like grabs the front of the gun as it's going off, and you see the pellets like still trying to extend as they're slowly freezing. I'm like, that's a cool ass effect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was some of that that I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it was also kind of interesting, like just seeing Jax as you know some you know special forces operative that. At this point, doesn't really have any special abilities. Just, you know, tactical knowledge and... Yeah, but he's... You know, they they later on said they were fighting some dude who had powers who apparently was a chosen one. And when Jax took him down, the dragon tattoo transferred to him, making him one of the new champions. Uh, but... Yeah, I like when they, the fight first starts off and, you know, and Jax starts kind of holding his own. And he's like... He's like, I did six tours, motherfucker. I ain't afraid of no ninja. <laughs> Until dude rips his arms off, but he was holding his own there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at that point, you start using the special abilities. Like, you were you were bested up to that point, but, you know. He had not unlocked his arcana yet. <laughs> but little did he know. Losing his uh, human arms. He'd get some sweet upgrades. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I guess... So from there... Let's talk about the introduction to Sonya. Because <laughs> I thought originally that was going to be the character I liked the least. And it wasn't. Yeah, I was never like a... I mean, the first... The 90s movie, they... The character of Sonya Blade was kind of not great. And from what I've seen, some of the behind the scenes stuff, like she was the actress that played her was not originally intended to play that role. Whoever was originally going to play Sonya Blade got hurt. So they had to like hire her at the last minute. So they were literally doing her fight training while they were filming the movie. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't read all the, or watch all the behind the scenes or the making of stuff, but, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, how dare I do research before we talk about a thing? <laughs> But yeah, the uh, the 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 girl playing Sonya Blade in this one, who is uh, the, the Jessica McNamee, who from a little movie called The Meg that we watched <laughs> about big sharks. <laughs> yeah, you know he goes to find her, and she's like holed up in this trailer in a boatyard, who actually has a cool underground bunker. It's, I'm like, that's pretty sweet. I wouldn't mind an underground bunker that, that you know, outside looks like a shitty trailer. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's why everybody keeps losing their weapons in boating accidents. <laughs> yeah. Digging those, uh, <laughs> those bunkers. Oh. But yeah, you know, she, you know, brings Cole in and, and explains to him, this is where we get our, uh, our backstory, uh, you know, uh, you know, ex, uh, explanation where there's all the, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat history on the walls of of tournaments through the years, and you like we say that there's a lot of game Easter eggs hidden in in this. Uh, so you you see drawings of like characters and stuff that we know from Mortal Kombat, and yeah, because I saw you know Nightwolf is one that really jumped out at me there. Yeah, and we saw some old drawings of uh, of Hanzo, uh, you know, becoming when he was uh, before he became Scorpion, and uh, and then we get. Uh, yeah, you know, so she explains to him the whole what Mortal Kombat is and why people are suddenly trying to kill you. <laughs> and she's like, you know, gives him the 
the story of like if you kill somebody who's got the mark, they can take the mark. And he's like, well, I've never killed anybody. Like I was born with this mark. So like, so you're like an actual legit chosen one. You're not, you're not someone who's inherited shit. But at the same time, like they don't realize whose bloodline. Yeah. Know. Yeah. At this point, I don't even think he keeps getting flashes to, to, to Scorpion when he sees like paintings of him in the wall, but he's never actually, you know, but I mean, the like, explanation of being dude, if you had a random a vision, you'd be and, like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Until later on when Ro- Lord Raiden explains to him that he he is the descendant of Hanzo. Uh, you know, he, do- he really doesn't know what are going on. But this is the point where we get introduced to, to me, the highlight of this movie, which is uh, Josh Lawson as Kano. Dude, just a phenomenal fucking comic relief. Yes, he has got the best lines in the movie. And he even starts off as kind of a good guy. I mean, he's like... You know, uh, you know, he's he's tied up and like hey, I gotta take another piss. <laughs> and they're like, what the hell's that? <laughs> and it's like he's like I'm fucking Kano. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, another assassin shows up and we get our first look at the modern era uh, reptile who doesn't look like an injury. He looks like a giant iguana that spits acid, but he has the invisibility and that like invisible fight scene and. Yeah, eventually Kano gets free and, and, you know, they get like a three-way fight going on and he's got the smarts to like stab him with his knife than the, with a road flare. So they're like, ha, now we can see you, you invisible bastard. <laughs> Why didn't they have that in the game? Like, that was one of the few helped. games, like, <laughs> dude, any of the characters that could turn invisible, like, that was pretty much game over because, like... <laughs> You know, modern, like, okay, there's invisibility, but we're going to at least let you see some obscured shadow. That game's like, you're not seeing shit. Yeah, like, until you get kicked in the face. <laughs> oh. That's one of those you hope you back them into a corner and just continue to high punch. <laughs> uh, I don't know, like, Sonya's, like, trying to throw knives at, at Reptile and ends up, like, hitting Kano in the leg with his... He's like, really? You fucking did that on purpose? <laughs> that was my knife, bitch. <laughs> Do you think she missed, or do you, you know, just like, motherfucker, get your ego in check. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he has some of the best lines in the movie, and like, you know, once they they you know, figure out the whole Mortal Kombat thing, he's like, you know, he doesn't even like he he's out of his chains, but he doesn't even try to escape. They come back in the house, he's sitting in the kitchen drinking a beer, and he's like drawing a picture of him fighting a. Uh, reptile, and he even does the thing where he rips reptile's heart out, and it's like still beating. He's like, "Yeah, Kano wins." I'm like, I was like, "That's his finishing move from the game." Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but then they're like, "We got to find Raiden's temple. That's where champions have been practicing." And he's like, "Oh yeah, I know where that's at. I used to run guns through there." <laughs> well, I'll see you. Like, all right, we'll give you two million dollars if you help us. He's like, "You ain't got two million dollars. You live in this shithole. Like, this is my cover." All right, give me three million dollars. Like, all right. And he's like, you really going to pay him three million? He's like, fuck no, I live in this shit at all. <laughs> and he spits on her lawn gnome. He's like, fucking lawn gnomes, give me the creeps. <laughs> uh, which, I, I love- mean, I just love some of that foreshadowing. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> there's some symbolism there. That's, that's going to come in handy eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah. When they were like, you know, wandering through the desert trying to find... Uh, his temple and uh we get our first introduction to to Liu Kang and he shows up and, and 
freaking uh, Kano starts talking shit and he just hits him with a fireball. He's like, wait a minute, wait. you just threw fire, mate. How the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I want to know this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, Liu Kang was a very dynamic character in this. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've s- Very Obi-Wan. Well, uh, like- <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, you... Oftentimes, you just... You see the offensive use of the fireball, and... Yeah, like, later on, he, like, you know, uses it, just makes a fire to, like, Light a path, yeah. cauterize a wound, I'm like, fuck, I was totally underutilizing this guy. Yeah, because, like, up until this point, everyone that we've seen that are quote-unquote chosen ones, they're new to Mortal Kombat. They don't know what the fuck is going on. And we finally meet Kung Lao and Liu Kang, who are people that literally been training since birth for Mortal Kombat, and, and you know, have has had time to perfect their arcana. But yeah, like, you know, we talked about the Easter eggs. When they go to, like, Raiden's Temple, there are so many, like, little... Like, you almost have to watch it a couple times to catch all the background things. I mean, like, the, the amulet from, like... I forgot what... It's like a... Chinook's amulet from, like, one of the Mortal Kombats is, like, hanging on the wall, and Kano tries to steal it. You see Mal- uh, Katana's uh, fans, like, on display, and there's so many of these little MK Easter eggs, like, hidden... Even when, you know, they tell Sonya, like, you're welcome to stay and hang out, but you're not marked, so we can't train you. You, you won't have an Arcana. So they start training Cole and Kano to try to unlock their powers, and he's, like, gonna fight Liu Kang... He's like, none of that Harry Potter bullshit. <laughs> and he just sweeps his leg. And he's like, all right, ha, funny, do it. And he keeps doing it, like, over and over. I'm like, that was, like, the most bullshit move in the first game, is you could just do that leg sweep over and over and over again. There was, like, no way to block it. And it was just, like, irritate the fuck out of you. You'd be like, I mean, I've seen controllers get thrown and, like, legit fights start at an arcade because somebody would just do the leg yeah. sweep repeatedly. <laughs> that or just, you know, back the person into a corner and, you know... One attack, and it's like, really, motherfucker? Really? That's how we're playing? Oh. But yeah, when he starts leg sweeping, I'm like, that's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought all of the training sequences were pretty badass. And, you know, I you know, I, I, I liked it because it showed a progression. You know, yeah. it wasn't just instantly, oh, yeah, we're, we're you know highly advanced fighters it's like no we're learning to fight yeah and you know cole can't seem to unlock his powers so they're like well if you can't unlock your powers you you know you're useless you can go home and be with your family but that's exactly what he needed do you, he needed to like don't do you, i i feel like raiden knew that shit yeah like he had to be given something to fight for other than himself uh, before he could you know fully unlock his powers well yeah, just, as soon as he kills uh you know, Goro and unlocks his shit, you know, the lightning bolt shows up. All right, you can come back now. Like, <laughs> your training well, mission is over. I mean, I just over. like it, you know, because back in Cole's, you know, when he was doing just the cage matches, you know, and his daughter's like, just give him the uppercut. And, you know, he didn't listen and got his ass beat. And then, yeah, he you kept know, playing it, you know, safe and, and not uh, <laughs> risking at all, I guess. Then again, like, later on, it's like, oh shit. Like, he gave him the uppercut. <laughs> yeah, he's like, guess I should have been using the uppercut more often. <laughs> but I don't know, like, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, of course, Earth Realms warriors, but, dude, like, when they flash to Outworld, 
Yeah, and you get to... Uh, and, you know, you see Shang Tsung. You see, you know, Nataro. Uh, you see Melina. Melina like... Uh, um, I mean, the Goro looks way better than the Goro we got in, uh, in the first movie. Technology has come a long way. Uh, you got freaking, whatever, General Reiko. Oh... And also, uh, Kung, uh, not Kung, whatever, uh, Cabal. Cabal was one of my, one of my favorite characters. I, I loved using Cabal and I don't recall him being in any of the previous Mortal Kombat movies. I think it's the first time I've seen like a legit Cabal in, on the big screen. And I'm like, that was, that was cool as shit. <laughs> and that, that, he's the one where he's like, he's like, you know, they put up a force field, we can't get in. He's like, was there like an asshole guy there, uh, with an Australian accent? Yeah. Oh. That's, that's my boy Kano. You're going to love him. He's a degenerate. <laughs> and he pretty much just shows up like, hey man, why don't you flip sides? We'll pay you a bunch of money. You're like, okay. <laughs> Let me turn evil. <laughs> yeah. I, I, You know, once again, you know, the foreshadowing because, uh, you know, Sonya knows that he's got a mark and I guess she thinks she's going to interrogate him into, you know, how he got the mark and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you're going to have to kill me for that. <laughs> Uh, and you also find Jax has been uh, found, and they they gave him some little skinny robot arms. But yeah, dude, like that was, you know, because I mean, fuck, Jack is you know pretty much like Dwayne fucking Johnson, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, his fucking arms are tree trunks, and you know, I was like, <laughs> he was trying to fight with little skinny arms. It's like, hilarious. what the fuck is this? Like, they just went full on Deadpool. Look at my little baby <laughs> arms. But when he finally unlocks his arcana, his uh, tech gets an upgrade, and he gets his full big daddy arms. <laughs> those are my those are my uh, prepubescent, you know. Um... And I love when Kano gets his laser eye because they're all having dinner and stuff, and he's like talking shit, and he's like, "Hey, uh, Kung Pao, whatever your name is, why don't you pass me an egg roll?" And he's like, "Oh, this egg roll? No, I'm gonna eat that." And he's like, starts like you know arguing with him, and Liu Kang's like are you angry? And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking angry. He's like, good. And he's like, just keeps running his mouth. He's like, I am fucking Kato. And then shoo, laser beam comes out. And it's like, he's like, Oh fuck. I got laser eyes. That's way better than fireballs. You pussy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, one laser eye. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then once they, you know, I wonder if DC's got a uh, trademark on, you know, Nope, nope. Superman had two laser eyes, so... <laughs> Everyone else can only get one. Only have one. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when he, uh... You know, Shang Tsung returns and tries to attack the the warriors. Kung Lao's, like, fatality, where he just, like, does the thing from the game with, like, throwing the hat and then is basically surfboarding uh, Natara <laughs> into, the, into the blade. And it's like... That's badass. But then he gets his soul sucked, and uh, and the, the you know eventually Raiden uh, you know, kicks everybody out. But yeah, like they come up with that whole plan. Like, all right, we can't defeat them together. Let's split them up and take them on one and one. So you, at that point, you get like a more Mortal Kombat style fight sequence, where everyone's like got their one on one opponents. Except like like we'll take everybody else, and then we'll we'll try to hunt down Sub-Zero on his own. And then Raiden's like, you know, here, take this. It might come in handy. You're, you know, he explains to him, like, you're the long descendant of, of Hanzo, Hitari, you know, last of the, the, uh, what the hell was his name? The Lin Kwai was Scorpio, or was, uh, Sub-Zero's people. 
can't remember what Scorpion's people <laughs> were. But, uh, yeah, it gives them the, the knife, and they all go to track down their own, uh, their own characters, and Kano goes, or Sonya goes after Kano, and they just use Raiden to tell, he's like, can you teleport people anywhere? And like, yeah, all right, cool, let's, like, put them where we know where we're gonna fight, and she gets to fight him in, in that ratty trailer, and it reminded me a lot of, like, Kill Bill, Volume 2, when she's, like, having the sword fight in the, in the shitty trailer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It ends up killing him with a fucking uh, a garden gnome. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's fitting. Like, you spit on my gnome, I'm gonna stab you to death with it. <laughs> I mean, dude, like it, you know. I mean, she's a legit badass. Like that's that's what I was saying. Like I didn't think I was gonna like her character as much, and I'm like, she pulled Sonya off pretty well. Yeah, she's like you know, and then you know once she kills Kano, gets his mark and. Now she can do her, like, laser ring blasts and, you know, hollows out Melina. <laughs> He's like, yeah, a little parting gift from Kano. I got my arcana now, too. And Cole gets his weird, like, golden suit because it's like, you know, he can't unlock his power until he's trying to defend his family. And he gets a, almost a defensive power. He gets, his his power is, is armor. But then he can also make those cool, uh, freaking tonfa, uh, like, weapons that come out of his armor, which are... Which were pretty badass. Well, I mean that that uh, you know, he was very much a tank character. You know, I mean that was the yeah. thing is, you know, like in his you know UFC fights, like he could take he, a beating. You know, <laughs> he, absolutely, he might not deliver a beating, but he could absolutely take one. I mean, sometimes that's the you know a and even a his good armor defense like that. is a like, strong offense. You know, it's kind of like the Black Panther armor where it absorbs kinetic energy. So the more he gets hit, the more the suit powers up. So like you know he you know. She's like, do the uppercut, and as he's getting beaten down by Goro, his armor starts glowing, glowing, and then freaking hits him with that giant uppercut, and like, I guess I should have been using the uppercut, and then stabs him in the eyeball. <laughs> but yeah, I gotta say, dude, uh, fucking Goro was looked badass in this. Um, oh, yeah, the technology has definitely advanced from that weird puppet thing from the <laughs> no, first dude, movie. they they legit brought in somebody with four arms. <laughs> It's two guys in a trench coat. <laughs> so there were six guys with one gun. Nope, there was one guy with six guns. <laughs> oh. But yeah, they all have their their uh, cool... The only thing, like the... That whole fight sequence was kind of rushed. Like, we didn't get any really like long, drawn-out battles with that sequence of them all fighting the... Outworld uh, things that, that I think that could have been fleshed out and shot a little better. Uh, I mean, those those fights were were kind of rushed, but they kind of made up for it for the final fight because. Well, so, yeah, I mean, because you see, like, fucking, you know, Cole's family, uh, you know, takes a uh, bit of an ice bath. They did the ice uh, ice yeah. bath challenge. Um, Sub-Zero takes his family to lure him into solo combat so they don't want to fight everybody. And Cole chases him, him into his own smoke portal and ends up in that martial arts gym that he was at the first of the movie. But now everything's all frozen over and his family's frozen over, which is kind of uh, reminiscent of when Hanzo's family was killed. And you know he's trying to fight Sub-Zero and finally pulls out the dagger and he ends up like grabbing it and like his blood hits the dagger and it kind of activates it. And then all of a sudden, like a freaking spike comes through uh scorpion's arm or sub zero's arm and you hear the get over here. And it's like, fuck yes. Scorpion's finally here. 
Yeah, that was... I don't know, from then on, like, it just fucking was badass. Oh, yeah, it was going back and forth from a, like, one-on-one fight to a two-on-one fight, and, and like, you know, and, uh, and like, eventually, like, oh, that one part where, like, Sub-Zero, like, actually cuts Scorpion with his eye sword and, like, blood squirts out, and he freezes the blood and stabs him with the blood spike. I was like, that's badass. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there was a lot of badass moments leading up to this. Kind of remind me of the battles, you know, like, where... You know, you would choose two fighters, and, you know, they would periodically jump in and out of the screen and yeah. stuff, like. Yeah, because he's, like, you know, Cole's, like, going from trying to chop his family out of the ice to to uh, going back to helping Scorpion. But I, I was wondering, why did that not work originally? Like, if he was able to chop his family, why <laughs> was Hanzo not able to? Well, they had a, if you noticed... His family wasn't just frozen. They was like oh, they an had ice the spike, spike through them. them. Yeah, yeah, they were they were dead dead. <laughs> this one they were just you know cryogenically stuck to the <laughs> the cage. But yeah, and like Scorpion pulling off a lot of or Sub Zero pulling off a lot of his moves, doing like the like the ice clone jump and and the you know throwing him through the ice. You just and hate that and shit. And making the freaking ice sword too. And it's like oh that is so it's like so and like and Scorpion just like you know whipping his uh his uh, spear around and when he uh, takes off his mask so you can see his face he's like I told you to remember this face <laughs> why did your Japanese go to Russian I don't that's, know that's because <laughs> uh, when Japanese people speak English it sounds Russian yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered like how well stuff translates <laughs> yeah. like, oh yeah, and at that one point, he's like, uh, oh. like, you know, like he ends up getting his legs frozen, and Cole has to jump in and fight for a while, and finally, like he blows out of the ice, and that shockwave wakes up his family. You see, his family's not not dead, and uh, Scorpion's like, "I got this. I'll handle him. You handle your family." And goes back to fighting uh, Sub Zero, and he has that thing where he's like, "You, you hoped I would burn in hell." but I learned to control the fire and then like does the toasty. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like the only thing that was missing was like little Ed Boone popping up going toasty. <laughs> yeah. Like, well that, or I was expecting, you know, when he removed the mask to see, you know, the full on flaming skull, you know, and <laughs> yeah, but he never lost, you know, his human appearance. Yeah. He, until he like breathed fire and then it kind of went scully for a minute and uh, like in the game and then he, once he put the mask back on, his face came back. But yeah, it was like, oh, like the fucking toasty. I was like, damn. And he even did like teleport a couple times too. I was like, I was like, this is like, this is the, like I said, those two guys at the level of martial artists they are can re they can write some cool fight scenes for those guys. <laughs> they may have, they may have just turned them loose. Like, Hey, y'all design your own fight scene. Cause <laughs> Well, I'd be like, hey, we're just going to roll the films. You guys do what you need to. Um, occasionally, hey, can we mirror a couple of these moves? And, like, <laughs> great. Like, could you imagine trying to direct them and be like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want you to do a high punch and a low punch and a blow... Like, I wouldn't even know what the fuck to call, like, some of that <laughs> shit. Like... Yeah, that fight was... Awesome, and, 
and you know, when he frees his family too, and then you know, Scorpion's like, you know, you have released me, protect the, uh, you know, the rest of my bloodline. So I'm like wondering if we get another movie, it's going to be like, all right, we need backup. Let me pull out my my cool knife and summon uh, Grandpa Scorpion to help us in this battle. <laughs> That's one thing too, because they obviously. And you're talking about uh, stuff that uh, Liu Kang does when the rest of the warriors, sh- you know, catch up to him. Yeah, it's cool. Like, you know, you know, he's like, yeah, hi, family. These are, you know, my warrior buddies. And, and you know, Liu Kang's like, makes a little fireball. And he's like, here, I will warm you up. Come here. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a, that's a good guy to have around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I don't know. It was just kind of cool just seeing different things not just used offensively. Yeah. And that's the first time... Raiden actually kind of look acts like Raiden, like when he sh- like almost he was kind of being like non-committal, so everyone would kind of, I guess, find their own power and learn to fight on their own. Because when he shows up and Shang Tsung shows up and he's like, he's like, I don't care how many of y'all you're putting my put in the ground. Death is just another portal. Like I will, you know, destroy y'all. And he's just like zaps him out of there, and he's like, he talks too much. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. Is like. You know, you have all this power, but, like, I, I guess, like you said, you know, maybe it's, we need, they need to the, learn the to fighters fight to understand yeah. truly what they're against and to, you know, realize their potential instead of just being like, I don't know, I have a lightning god on my side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, they kind of learn how to be mortal combatants. And then your like, well, you know. Tournament's still coming. Uh, I need to make a new list of people that are potential chosen ones. And, you know, y'all go find them before the tournament. And like, all right, who are we finding first? And anyone who complained about there not being Johnny Cage in this movie, at the end of it, you know, you see Cole back at the locker room cleaning up. And the guy that was his fight, he's like, hey, man, glad you're here. I got another fight for you. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm retiring. He's like, really? Where are you going? I was like, I'm going to Hollywood. He's like, good luck with that. And he leaves, and you see, like, a Johnny Cage movie poster on the wall. <laughs> I'm like, yep, no way he's going to Hollywood. But we'll definitely get Cage next uh, next round. But they, my only question about the next movie, if we get one, hopefully we'll actually get to Mortal Kombat, but uh, they killed a lot of the Outworld fighters. <laughs> Who, dude, who's going to be the champions in the uh, of, of the bad guy side? But there's there's so many. I mean, I there's, mean, there's a ton. Mentaro, there's you know Striker, there you know. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Still a deep list of. There's even the the robot I mean, fucking noob Cybot. Uh, I you remember. Know. Uh, I can't remember which Mortal Kombat it was where they the Lin Kuai like turned all their ninjas into robots. So. Is that how they bring Sector brings... and you know? Like... So do we get robots uh, Sub Zero in the next one since he's he's been killed now? Or you know, Shang Tsung's like, well, death is just another portal, and you see that him retrieving all the bodies of his fallen soldiers. He used his magic to resurrect uh, the people he lost in in this movie. So we get those guys back again. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, or maybe maybe we get an introduction to Quan Chi or something. You know, who? Yeah. You know, he's the whatever netherworld guy. He could probably suck some people out of hell and and <laughs> bring them back. Or even uh, in the games, like eventually Sub Zero was Sub Zero's brother. 
that uh, it, it wasn't the original Sub Zero that Scorpion killed. So do we get like you know Ben Ha's well, brother? Well, I mean, I guess if you know Scorpion's bloodline can trickle down, then I, I would imagine Sub Zero's can as well. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what's left of the Outworld forces if we get a get another movie. But I mean, there's there's a lot of Outworld, or or then too, like I mean, we keep talking about you know original Mortal Kombat where there was eight characters, right? Okay. Dude, now there's like oh, fucking forty, probably forty. You know, I mean, hell, fucking Leatherface. You yeah, know, yeah, they got and, Jason Leatherface, like all these like crossover. Hell, even Terminator was even in the last game. Uh, fucking Rambo. <laughs> Do they bring in some of these cameo characters for the next one? Uh, or Smoke. I, like, I used to like Smoke. Noob Saibot. Yeah, there's a lot more ninjas we could get in the uh, in the next one that we, we didn't have in this one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean we still haven't met the Emperor yet, so, uh, I mean, gotta have a Shao Kahn show up eventually. And we saw, I mean, whatever, we saw uh, Katana's blades but we never saw a katana so i'm we'll probably end up her showing up in the next uh <laughs> next go around i mean we did see whatever chinook and quan chi's medallion thing so the hell that may play a part in the next movie i mean there's there's so much mortal Kombat lore even going with a original storyline there's plenty of shit they can <laughs> pull from for the next next movie yeah absolutely i mean i i don't know i don't think at this point really anything can be written off because i mean i i i i do kind of like it you know right i think it's cool that they took a little bit of an original approach um but there's enough easter eggs and enough throwback that dude it, it feels like mortal Kombat, even though like you said there was no actual mortal Kombat. and if you're planning to turn this into a series of films i mean if you kind of shoot your load there on giving us mortal actual mortal Kombat first time through what do you do for a sequel because the tournament only comes around once a generation <laughs> so are you going to jump a hundred year uh, yeah 30 40 years into the future and do another mortal Kombat? yeah this at least prolongs you know we are mortal all Kombat. grandpas now yeah i'm scorpion's great 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 greater grandson <laughs> i'm cole the third So yeah, I don't know. Like, does Raiden get a new lightning stick since Kano broke his lightning rod? <laughs> does he even need a lightning stick? Uh, I mean, because that was the thing is, you know, I mean, he just basically had, you know, sparky fingers. <laughs> uh, spirit hands. <laughs> so is but there? I, I, I don't a... know. I mean. I even thought it was kind of cool, like, going back to the, you know, original, like, there were even, you know, things, you know, fucking Bo Raicho was, you know, fucking drunken fist and yeah, stuff. Yeah, because, like, like uh, you know, Luke Kang mentions him, too. He's like, you know, I was an orphan, and Master Bo Raicho uh, brought, you know, brought me into the, the Order of Light. I'm like, fucking Bo Raicho, the drunken master. <laughs> yes. Uh, so is there any characters from Mortal Kombat that we didn't see in this movie that you you hope we get in a, a future film. Um, that's going to require... Now that you mentioned Bo Racho, I'm like, I would like to see the Drunken Master. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it says, for me, while you're looking that up, the the other ninjas, like, 
I always liked Smoke and Noob Cybot. And even the, when they went to the robot ninjas of, like, Sector and uh, Cyrax, you know, you know, we saw, like, how much technology is advanced and, you know, they made Jax's robot arms look cool. I'd like to see some, like, legit robot ninjas in the next one. I think the, I think the technology is there. They could, they could pull it off. I mean, I, I, I think for me, one of my favorite characters to play was always Baraka. Yeah, I forgot you about know, Baraka, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Which kind of looked like the first Deadpool in Wolverine Origins. <laughs> but then again, you know... Um, yeah, that fucking blade thing he would do would piss me off. Every time you try to jump on him, he'd drop to a knee and start whick, whipping his blades around. That would catch you every fucking time. I hated that move, playing against Baraka. Uh, let's see here. Um, we talked about... I mean, they killed off Goro. If we don't get another Goro, do we get the, uh... Well, I can't remember his name, but there was that bigger Goro. Kintaro. Yeah, and then there was the, uh, Uh, the the female, uh, uh, version. Or, or, I mean, you could have Kintaro, or you could have Motaro, which was... (laughs) Yeah, it was like the horse, the Minotaur guy. Yeah, there was that lady, uh, uh, I can't remember what, uh, Goro's race is called, but yeah, there was a female version in one of the games. I don't remember that one. Um, Chameleon was always another character that I thought was cool. I don't even remember Chameleon, but yeah, there's like eleven of these games so far, and then a few spinoff games. So I mean, there's a ton of shit. That you yeah, can... well, I mean, and if you're talking like Earthrealm, I mean, you know, you had Jackie Briggs, which is a newer character. Um, you know, Shiva, I think. Might yeah, have been. Shiva was the. Uh, and there's also the uh, Queen Sindala. Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a ton of stuff they can pull from yeah. for a future movie. Or you know, Kenshi, I think would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, or even uh, like so the bringing some of those elder gods like Chinook and and like are the sorcerers like Quan Chi and, and we already saw the medallions. So, and I don't know, maybe with them getting you know Johnny involved, um, I we'll wonder. Get a nut punch next time. Well, around. no, I mean I'm <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, Cassie Cage was a character, you know, so... Yeah, some of those later movies, you got, like, the descendants of the original Iron Man movies games, which I still haven't played Mortal Kombat 11. I, now that I've been watching this, I'm like, man, I need to pick up 11 and start playing that. Yeah, I don't know. And then, uh, fucking Sindel. Yep. Fucking screaming bitch. <laughs> I used to hate that shit. So as we wrap this up, uh, what's your thoughts on this here, uh, Crucible? Uh, the Crucible is a good cigar, man. Nice, uh, full body, um... You know, a little bit spicy, nutty, um, smooth, but very, very smoky. Um, oh, yeah, my eyes are starting to burn. Dude, here. it... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we need an air, air purifier. I, I do say that um, had a phenomenally, you know, easy draw, too. Yeah, I've not had to relight this at all. Like, usually, especially, we we start talking, we we uh, forget to smoke. It's like a lot of times we're having to relight. And this thing has stayed, stayed going this whole time. I've not, I've not even had to, like touch up any uneven burns this has got really good quality construction so with that i guess we will retire to outworld and await a new mortal combat <laughs> get over here
And welcome back. It's time for some science. Yeah, science. And science rules. <laughs> yeah, there are there are some rules to science. Laws of physics and whatnot. Laws were meant to be broken. <laughs> uh, well, we are one step closer to some kind of Mars base or moon base. Uh, so scientists uh, are exploring Hawaii to uh, simulate life on Mars. Huh. I, For some reason, I kind of draw stark differences. I mean, I guess lava's red, and I think of lava when I think of Hawaii. Like... I always envision Hawaii just constantly like has volcanoes erupting. I'm sure that's <laughs> not the case at all, but well, there are uh, lava tubes uh, throughout Hawaii where you know lava rivers f once f uh, flowed and created these caves. And you know, going to some place like Mars, uh, they want to be able to explore these caves to study the geological history, and also these caves would be a safe place to possibly build habitats on uh, on the red planet. So, so great. Uh, so we have to use all the advanced technologies to get to Mars, but once we're there, we live like cavemen. Great. <laughs> Space cavemen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are basically trying to develop, uh, you know, new, better designed spacesuits and tech in general that they can move, th you know, help move through these rugged structures uh, with as much ease as possible. So... Scientists are now testing these, you know, new spacesuits in like you know, these rocky uh, caves uh, in Hawaii to try to find the best design uh, for future space bases. Uh, they are working on uh, the island of Mauna Lao, which is on or the area of Mauna Lao, which is on Hawaii's Big Island, and uh, they've created uh, you know an area to simulate the rocky environments of the moon and Mars and, uh, you know, people are living in these habitats for days, months, and even, you know, planned year long missions, simulating what it might be like to, you know, be separated from humanity and live on Mars, or they can just watch the Martian, uh, on cable and pretend to be, uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> the name of this, uh, base is called high seas, uh, the Hawaii space exploration analog and simulation. I like the name. I just don't know about, uh, I don't know. Like, where lava once flowed, there, to <laughs> me, is always the potential that lava could still flow there. Like, like, I love how, like, we mark something dormant, and then it's like, eh, or extinct, and then magically it's like, oh shit, it's doing stuff. Like, we thought it was dead, <laughs> it is absolutely not dead. Like, I, I, I think that old, uh, when we did our disaster movie series and we talked about the movie from the 90s, Volcano. Like, that's what I imagine. Like, just out of the blue, something's going to magically appear and just start erupting and fuck our world up. <laughs> yeah, and apparently this is not the only place they're doing this type of research. While the Hawaiian base is mainly focused on, uh, you know, EVA activities and the lob tubes, there's other bases kind of doing testing in other simulated environments. Uh, there is uh, the Euro Moon Mars Project Explorations, which includes high seas, but also has locations in Iceland, Chile's Atkama Desert, and even in the Utah Desert. 
And we've even got some uh, results from the, we spoke about it uh, on a previous episode about a, where they put a bunch of people in a cave and with no kind of outside uh, communications or not, e- not even being able to like tell what time it is. And one of the kind of things that they, you know, early reporting on is people in this, whatever long uh, isolation were experiencing earth flashes, which is almost like hallucinations where they said they had like very brief sensations that they were somewhere else on earth, like a street corner or in the middle of a busy city. Well, I must (laughs) wonder if it's like, you know, people getting trapped in the desert and they talk about mirages and stuff like just over that horizon is a beautiful waterfall. Oh, it's just more sand. (laughs) Well, it's like they say, you know, in extreme isolation that, you know, uh, yeah, you know, when your brain doesn't really have any kind of input, it'll start just making up its own shit just to, <laughs> I guess, keep itself See, uh, entertained. I, I feel like studies like that, like, unless, like, you separated the sexes, just be a lot of unexpected pregnancies. <laughs> like, I'm bored. Yeah. Might as well fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, And another thing that makes us closer to a trip to Mars... Uh, Preservance, preservance, whatever the last uh, Mars rover was called. Perseverance? Uh, just made breathable oxygen on Mars for the first time. Whoa. Yep, like it's, a uh, virgin. It's been on the red planet for 60 uh, Mars days, I guess. They call them souls. Uh, I guess that's, yeah, whatever. Lun- or Mars Yeah, days. because, you know, secretly there's a portal to hell and soul eaters <laughs> are going to start emerging from it. So uh, that's only fitting. But on uh, April 20th, uh, the uh, Mars Oxygen in Situ Resource Utilization Experiment, a.k.a. MOXIE, converted carbon dioxide into 5.4 grams of oxygen. This is about 10 minutes of breathable oxygen. It's the first time they've been able to do this on the red planet. And he said, you know, kind of what they, you know, it's too travel you know having to bring oxygen to mars from earth is way expensive and would take a lot of resources so they're trying to develop ways that we can produce oxygen in place not only for you know people breathing uh, once we start basing there but also oxygen is a uh, big component in rocket fuel so if they don't have to bring a round trip's worth of gas to the uh <laughs> the Mars, uh, they can, you know, bring more equipment and whatnot, or, you know, use Mars eventually as a refueling hey, station. Hey, we can now to... get to Mars on half a tank instead of a full tank. <laughs> or, you know, be able to eventually use, uh, Mars as kind of a, a launching pad to further deep space, uh, exploration. So they can build their first gas station on Mars. <laughs> yeah. It, it would take seven tons of rocket fuel and 25 tons of oxygen to lift four astronauts off of the Martian surface. So, yeah, they're, you know... Holy shit, that's just to lift off? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, this so hopefully this will make, you know, commuting back and forth to Mars uh, much easier. Because, you know, basically now that they've kind so, of... So, when they develop new rocket engines, they're like, how many feet, you know, per gallons do we get with this? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, how do you measure rocket fuel? Is it feet per gallon, or, like... Yeah, I don't know. Is it still miles per gallon? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Dude, if it takes that much just to, like... Lift off, yeah, it's, it's you know... That's a lot of fuel. And basically, now that they've kind of proven this small scale, which is, like, about a toaster-sized machine, 
actually can produce oxygen. Now they can kind of scale it up to something much larger that would produce oxygen in a much, you know, more usable amounts. And as long as we're talking about uh, space stuff, the first wooden satellite is uh, scheduled to uh, be launched soon. By the end of the year, the what is Woodsat? <laughs> Why? Basically, it's an uh, experiment by a Finnish company that uh, uh, partnered with a producer of plywood uh, to basically they're expand, experimenting with alternative uh, construction materials for space uh <laughs> space stuff don't worry it's all wood so if it comes back to earth it'll just you know break up and rot <laughs> yes yeah, so it's a partnership with arctic astronauts upm plywood and hooled uh have announced they'll be want- launching the world's first ever wooden satellite into orbit and a further to understand just how pl- uh durable plywood can be oh boy <laughs> We got a plywood door over our cave house. <laughs> Put screen doors on the space station. <laughs> I mean, I just... In my head, I always feel like space is a very volatile place. And, like, the first time, you know, a satellite gets creamed by, you know, something in space, like, I I feel like it was just, you know, kind of like... Oh, shit. Wooden satellite was a bad idea because, uh, you know, it's just not as durable as, you know, something made of a hard, or, you know, lightweight metal or something. <laughs> but then again, too, like, I'm like, man, aren't some of our metals and stuff, like, lighter and... Yeah, it seems like just a weird experiment. <laughs> but I, I, spe- I feel like with the cost of lumber and plywood currently, this is not doing us any favors. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to save us any money. Uh, yeah, it's built off a kind of a popular nano uh, nano satellite kit called the KitSat, which is just a 10-centimeter cube uh, uh, satellite. You know, use, you know, built with plywood with a special... centimeters? yeah. So it's like it's a wee bastard. It's not a like big big satellite, and basically it's going to have a sensor suite and some cameras to watch and to see how. Why isn't that just three D printed? Uh, this how durable the uh, special coatings they're going to put on these plywood to see if it uh, survives in space, and it'll even have its own space age selfie stick to take photos of itself as it burns up, <laughs> or gets you know picked up by aliens. And you know since we're talking about Mortal Kombat. Uh, a mystery of of found feet has has finally been solved. The fuck? Apparently, if you've not heard of this, uh, starting in about 2007, uh, there's been shoes with human feet still inside them washing up on Canadian and North American shores. <laughs> Approximately 21 feet has uh, washed up still in their shoes. Uh, well, I guess that's why between we, you 2007 know, call and 2019. You know, I'd be like, eh. <laughs> how deep's the water? I don't know, a foot. No, I mean literally, a, a foot right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the uh, uh, feet, you know, the first two were found in 2007. His jaws regurgitating. <laughs> <laughs> they were both size 12 shoes and uh, had feet that were decomposing but still had feet in them, according to Vancouver Island Regional Coroner. 
Well, what they've, you know, the the coroners and everything that's been investigated since they've finally come up with the determination of that this is not some crazy serial killer in Canada, but it's a kind of a due to changes in the manufacturing of shoes. So anytime someone dies either by suicide or accident at sea, their body sinks, of course, and then fish start eating the flesh, but or crabs, whatever, but they don't start with they tend to start start with the softer parts of the body, like the ankle joints. And when they chew through those ankles, why like when you stand still in the lake, like you feel a little, you know, minnows coming up, like yeah, or that or anywhere there's a scab. I'll be yeah. like, motherfucker, that's my scab. <laughs> that's the soft part. So the reason why this kind of only started in 2007 is that's when basically air uh, pockets in shoes became popular and more lightweight foam used in the soles of shoes. So this has probably been happening for decades. But most of the time, when people's feet get chewed off, the feet just stay there at the bottom of the ocean. Where now, these Nike Air Max 7s that have like a big air cushion in the heel float. <laughs> so when that became popular in, in shoe culture, that's when feet started floating to the surface and washing up on shores. That's interesting. I don't know. But I guess at some point, like... I mean, in order for that to... Happened. Some something's got to be. I guess maybe the bone is deteriorating too, or something. Or well, yeah. I mean, that's know. a very like thin part of the body too, and not a whole lot of flesh over there. So I guess as soon as they chew through tendons and and the connecting flesh, eventually that ankle joint's just gonna pop off. It's my ankle. I want it. <laughs> and also the foot being inside the shoe kind of. I guess protects so it, it from I guess, some you know, decomposition. I guess people are going to start to get mortified. So, you know, they've already got, like, the work shoes that have steel toes. I guess, like, even your sneakers are going to start having steel toes, you know, just to make sure that they're, you know... <laughs> Keep the shoes from floating up on yeah, the beaches. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the same time, I feel like this could be dangerous, you know? I mean, if you're not already drowned or something, I mean, you know, if your feet are trying to float above your head and, you know, just... I don't know. It could be bad. It's like a reverse life preserver. It's like, well, my feet have oxygen, but the you know thing that attaches to my head, uh, lungs and whatnot, no longer do. I don't know. That's. Hmm. But that's all I got for you this week. Stay tuned for something else. The forty-two cast is turning one hundred, but like all good things, it must come to an end. Tune in to our epic finale as we see who lives, who dies, and who gets their own spinoff. And then come back when the 42 cast is back for season two, with even more segments, more guests, and more of explaining why Ryan is wrong. It's why we're still the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. You can only find all this awesome by downloading the 42 cast, a proud member of the ESO Network. And now it's time for blowing smoke. Time for some blowing smoke. Dude, it's been a long time since we've done a blowing smoke segment. <laughs> a little behind the scenes, this is a pre-recorded episode because we kind of had to take the month of May off, so not really news to talk about because even if something has happened in the world, we've recorded this a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> we'll comment on it when our next you know live show in, in June. <laughs> Holy crap, were you pre-recorded? Did it's like we're in the future, but the past. My mind's sort of blown. 
Yeah, so we're just going to do a old school bullshitting session and talk about whatever comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if so for me, um, getting ready to go on vacation, explore some new cities and whatnot, um, it's don't want to be overly, you know, zealous, but the world kind of seems to be opening up again. Um, yeah, I just saw an article pop up that Georgia had uh, pulled most COVID restrictions for, for businesses. I know Texas has been wide open for at least a month. Florida's kind of done the same. So it seems like places are getting... I mean, so far we think there's going to be a Dragon Con. Uh, well, I mean, I know like here in Georgia, right? Um, so we have listeners all over. Uh for the big NASCAR races, sporting events, and everything else, those are now allowed to be at full capacity again. Um, yeah, theater. We talked about theaters opening up I a couple kinda weeks ago. I kind of feel like the capacity at some of the sporting events even exceed those of a Dragon Con. <laughs> but, I mean, you are constantly in close proximity at Dragon Con. Yeah, like, and they worried me, too, about another cancellation of Dragon Con is... I've been up here in North Georgia the whole time. Like, there weren't a whole lot of restrictions. Like, no one up here really gives a shit. But once you get yeah, kind of the inside city. the perimeter, things seem to be a little more uh, cautious. So even though if the rest of Georgia is open, I'm, I'm, yeah, downtown may still be a little, you know, at least Fulton County. But if they're opening up sporting events like, you know, Braves games and shit like that, man, well, that's all inside the perimeter. So maybe, well, maybe I mean, we nerds also... can get out and about... Yeah, I mean, you know, the the other thing, too, is, you know, I guess kind of the same thing that we brought up even before the COVID shit is, you know, the security and, you know, of Dragon Con, you know, has there's still a lot of drama surrounding the Atlanta Police Department and, you know, stuff happening like, you know, is there going to be enough security to be like hey we could you know safely have a dragon con i mean i can't think of probably a more inclusive event than dragon con but still all it takes is you know a a, a few bad apples to spoil it for everyone yeah and we were talking about this off the mic was that because we were we at this point don't know if we're getting media passes yet they've not updated the media access to dragon con it's still on last year's website but it's like Normally, this stuff goes into planning phase the day after the con's over with, so the staff of con is probably way behind uh, on, you know, the planning and, and putting the shit together, since up until maybe recently, they weren't 100% sure there was going to be a con this year, so... Well, I mean, I, I think that the virtual con absolutely will be a thing, um, you know, just like it was last year, but, you know... The fact that they're selling tickets, um, you know, for folks that already had hotel reservations, I think some emails had gone out saying, "Hey, your this point, your you know reservation is still valid." And I've heard like some behind the scenes stuff. Some of the people that staff people that be like, you know, behind the scenes, you were not. They're telling us we're having a con, so we'll see. And I think the, the some of the plans I've heard is that. They're going to have con, but then they're also going to broadcast a lot of the panels and stuff for the people that are still not comfortable with, with gathering in mass. They're going to 
kind of increase their uh, digital presence as well, this con, for people well, I just wonder, like, come. you know, one of the biggest, you know, I, I mean, the social interaction, like... Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I never and, participated in any of these virtual cons that come up, because I'm like, it's not about the panels. I want to go and hang out with people. <laughs> I want to share mysterious liquids from, you know, all <laughs> forms of mysterious devices. And, yeah. like, is that really going to be a thing? Like, you know, um, I don't know. I'm also wondering, like, we're big cigar smokers. We're the cigar nerds. Like... <laughs> The, the rules of the city have changed since we last had a Dragon Con. Yeah, I don't know if there's uh, outdoor smoking available anymore, if we're going to have to go to the phone booth anytime we want to have a cigar. I mean, dude, I'm sorry. The, the patio is always going to be a place. There, there's more of them, or more of us <laughs> than there are of them. Like, Gonna go rogue. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, It's just kind of crazy, like, how much uncertainty there still is. Like... <laughs> That's like a meme. There's like a, because like I said, I've, I have other than working from home and not actually going to work, I have changed my routine very little during all this, and have not had any kind of health issues of it. So it's like when they're like, "Hey, CDC says now you can do this, 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 and this." I'm like, "Bro, I never stopped doing any of those things." Well, I mean, <laughs> I think here's part of my problem with it is instead of just coming out and saying what needs to be done. It's, hey, we're going to do this thing for two weeks. Well, two weeks has been like a year and a half now. Or, yeah. you know, originally, hey, we're going to get vaccinated, but still avoid all contact with people and, you know, remain sheltered in place. And it's like... Yeah, the warnings change from week to week. From and state I, and to I state. get it, you know, and medical, you know, I guess the more we learn or everything else. But then again, I... The cynic in me says that this is a government to figure out how much of a, you know, sheep mentality really exists versus, you know. And I've never told anyone that, like, hey, you're stupid for wearing a mask or taking all these extra precautions. Because that's each, up to each individual. I think that's your individual safe. liberty. Yeah, like, and... I feel safe not taking precautions. Uh, but, you know, if you want to take precautions, if you are concerned, or if you're someone who absolutely should you know take precautions because you have some kind of you know immunity issue uh, by all means like you know it, it's kind of like i forgot what i said it's like you know ask me to do something and i might tell me to do something i'll tell you to get fucked so it's like well i, mean, I think there's a lot of people that like didn't want to you know wear a mask or anything just because they're like i don't like being told what to do well i mean <laughs> you know it's interesting to me you know i grew up a punk rocker you know like fuck you, you know, and I'm like, there was a vast majority of people that are like, fuck you, I'm not going to do what you tell me, and blah, blah, and, and, and now it's almost like... Gather around the family you know, with a pocket full of shells. Um, I thought we were quitting rage, sorry. I mean, I, I kind of was, <laughs> but, you know, now it's, fuck you, do what they tell you, and it's like, <laughs> that's a dangerous mentality for me. Like, you know, for people to just... It's like, I'm sorry, like, you you keep telling me to rely on, you know, the science and the data, then stop sending out conflicting science and data and get your facts straight, <laughs> you know? And, and now, unfortunately, like, so much news is no longer factual or data, 
It's, hey, this is going to generate a emotional response, or this is going to, and people are the news are is entertainment now. Exactly, <laughs> and I think that's a very dangerous, you know, playing field. Like, and I, not just on like the liberal side. It's both sides are playing the fucking media, depending on which you know which side you're you're having. Well, to be I mean, I, I, I've said it all along. You know, right, left. I don't care. It's all part of the same bird. It's like you know, Dan like, Holloway from Drinking Bros. He even put out a whole bunch of it called all APAC. All politicians are cunts. He's like, it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. Like, all fucking politicians can't be trusted. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, like, I'm sorry. You know, if you make a career out of being a politician, you are in it for the power. You are not in it for any. Yeah, it's not good about service anymore. Else. It's. You know, the, too many politicians turning it into a, a career. Exactly. And that's that's my problem. If we go through presidents every four years, why the fuck are the people that actually, you know, write and in charge of, you know, voting on laws and everything else, they're for life? You know, I, I, I definitely think we need uh, congressional term limits. You know? I don't have to like, you know, I, but... Just a change of blood, change of pace. Keep something fresh, new, instead of, well, shit, we've had the same 57,000 politicians in every office for the last life. Why does nothing ever seem to change? <laughs> because they tell you exactly what you want to hear, and you vote exactly that way. And then they do whatever the fuck they want exactly. that benefits them, and no matter what they, you know, they told you previously. You know... Definitely, a, a, I see it as us than them. You know, that's that's why I really liked at the end of Black Panther, the speech. I'm like, every fucking senator, you know, needs to be... <laughs> Our Captain America. Oh, yeah, Our, yeah. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, whatever. I feel like, you know, so, on a positive note, as things are starting to reopen, what's something that you've been unable to do? You're looking forward to getting out there and doing. I mean, hell, you're going to to florida <laughs> the land of the free apparently <laughs> i don't that's the thing is i'm, I'm sort of like you i never stopped doing what i wanted to do um, the only things i i haven't done is because certain things haven't been i haven't been to a live concert in two years because... i mean that'll probably be the the first thing that i do because music is such a big part of you know who yeah, i you... am and an expression like I've already missed out on several, you know, concerts that I had, you know, tickets for and everything else just because, you know, it's like, hey, we, you know, can't do the venues. And, you know, even then, like, states where there's still, you know, limitations, like, does it even work out to anybody's favor to try to do a reduced capacity concert? Like, yeah, because at a certain point, there's, you know, the economic, you know, it's cost more to put on than, than they're actually making of it when they have to reduce... I mean, I will uh, say that, you know, there's been a lot of bands, like, that I I follow on social media and stuff that have been doing, you know, like, virtual performances or, you know, dude, I've been digging the shit out of that. Like, it's cool just to see, like, hey, I respect you for the songs I know you by, but then, you know, the fucking dude's just sitting there chatting and jamming and stuff (laughs) like that, and you're like... Now I really see what your raw talent and your ability is, and like yeah, I just my, have uh, such a newfound appreciation. My friend uh, Steve uh, from uh, Halcyon Way, during the height of all this, when everything was 
like shut down, he started setting up in his driveway and doing these driveway concerts and doing, you know, going Facebook live and, and doing, uh, doing music in his driveway for people. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah there, so there's definitely been an increase in the availability of virtual stuff like that, but I'm looking forward to getting back to actually going places with people. And yeah. Doing I mean, there's, there's a big difference between live interaction versus, Hey, I'm sitting here watching, you know, like, I'm sorry, like, digital concerts and that sort of thing that, you know, are, are sometimes, like, I, I, I'm i not going to pay the price of a concert ticket to watch TV. I mean, I've already bought tickets for uh, Cybertronic Spree when they, they finally rescheduled their tour. They're coming here in November. So I've got some Spree tickets. And so that'll probably be the first, other than if we go to Dragon Con and see some bands at Dragon Con, that'll probably be the first going out to a bar and seeing a band I'll, I'll have been able to do. Uh, I did see there, and I can't remember the name of it, there is a Putt-Putt bar that's supposed to be opening up in Atlanta soon where you can go get drunk and play Putt-Putt. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> that sounds like a water hazard. I think it's called Putt Place, something like that. But yeah, it's, it's like a bar slash Putt-Putt place. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I want to go do this. <laughs> it's, it's like a Top Golf. But, you know, you... but a game I can actually play. I, 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 <laughs> there's no control over my balls going when I'm playing top golf. I'm just going to hit it hard and, and see where it goes because I am not good at regular and golf. That's in the parking lot. But oh, putt putt, I can do. <laughs> you think you can? I got some putting skills, yo. <laughs> Be like, mm, I got to bounce it off this wall, go around that rock, uh, avoid Into the clown's that windmill. Hole. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, we did almost kill a duck that, one time. That or, you know, we, uh, you know, end up, you know, with a bit too much, um, alcohol than we intended <laughs> and be like, you know, yeah, me we're going to have to ask you to leave. There's a place in Duluth called Pirate Golf and they have like a big pirate ship with like a fake lake and there's ducks in the lake. And, uh, there was one, uh, that doesn't sound like a fake lake. That well, I sounds mean, like it's it, got real water. And... Yeah. It's, it does have, it's like a, you know, a pond and stuff like that, but there's some ducks out there, and we're on this hole where there's like a little like water hazard, like river going across the hole. So you got to jump it over this little ramp. And my buddy that was with me, fucking hit it way too hard and just launches it out into the middle of the the freaking lake and almost hits one of the ducks. <laughs> and that's without alcohol. <laughs> so imagine what we'll do at a <laughs> at a drinking putt putt course with. And suddenly we have roasted duck on the menu. <laughs> Meat is back on the menu, boys. <laughs> oh, well, I think that'll about wrap us up for this week. Uh, hope to see you. Yeah, and speaking of like, uh, the Georgia Renaissance Festival, uh, yeah, well, it have, will have been going on for at least two weeks when this episode comes out. But yeah, Renaissance Festival back. That's a public gathering of people doing nerd shit. So nerd, nerd life is coming back to life here, in, at least in Georgia. So maybe we'll get out there and do some things. Oh, and with that, check us out on ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. We're on our own website, CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, at CigarNerdPod. Uh, get your shirts at RealMenSmokeCigars.com. In fact, you know, you're going down to Miami. You need to hit up George. Say, hey, man, where's a good place to smoke while I'm down here? <laughs> uh, get your energy at StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code CigarNerds. And with that, get over here! Fatality. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. 
Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.